0: So we're to live our lives in this last 2,000 years looking for Jesus to come back at any time. He says, I go to prepare a place for you, that where I am, there you may be also. And this is every one of God's children. If you have trusted Christ as your Savior, we don't look for the undertaker. We're looking for the upper taker. We believe that the Lord is coming back and going to take us out of this world. Now... You'll also notice there in John chapter 14, he says, I'm going to, in verse 16, I'm going to ask the Father, and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. This is to believers. You see, these verses that we're talking about, this is to the believers. It it hasn't happened yet because Christ has not yet been crucified. Christ has not yet come back from the dead. He has not yet ascended to the Father. The Holy Spirit has not yet come. But the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost. Fifty days from the resurrection of Christ. Came right on schedule. And so we find here in John chapter 14, he says, I am going to give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Wouldn't it be nice if I had trusted Christ as my Savior and Jesus appeared right there beside me. He says, now Yankee, I am going to Walk with you everywhere you go. I'm going to be right here with you. So everywhere you go, I'm right here with you. And I'll never leave you and never forsake you. Now, I wouldn't know if that would be good news or bad news. Because then I'd really have to watch everything that I said and did and wherever I went, right? Because he's right there with me. I mean, flesh and blood, he's staying right there with me. So that would be scary enough. But then, lo and behold, Peter over here trusts Christ as the Savior. But Jesus can't go with him because, see, I've already got him. I, I got him. Peter didn't get him because he's limited to a body. Then the next day, no, you'd want him. Tracy said, well, no, he's got to go with me. No, 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 no. He promised me first. So well, there'd be bloodshed among the brethren. Well, Jesus says, I'm going to send you someone just like me. And he will dwell within you. And he'll never leave you and never forsake you you'll be sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Now, Jesus says, I'm going to ask the Father, and He is going to send to you the Holy Spirit. So you and I receive the Holy Spirit when we trust Christ as our Savior. Isn't that wonderful? Now, hold your place right here and just look there in John chapter 7. John chapter 7, and look in verse 39. Look at verse 37. We'll start in verse 37. Where in verse 37 it says, In that last day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. And as the Scripture hath said, Out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. This spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. Now look at the next part of that verse. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because Christ was not yet glorified. He has not yet died and come back from the dead. He says, when I leave you, I'm going to send him. So he left here after his resurrection, and then the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, right on schedule. And so we know that he came, and that's when the church age began. So we know these scriptures here must be and have to be talking to the church age people. Because as far as with the nation of Israel, as a nation, uh, they had washed their hands of it, wanted nothing to do with it. So now it's to individuals. So he was commanding the Christians to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every one of us. And then he tells it that this is how I want you to tell them. So when he says, and teach them all things which I have commanded you. Well, these are those commands that he gave. He didn't give them on that day when he gave the great commission or the great compassion. But he did give them in John chapter 13 through 17. And this is why he says here. Now look up there in verse 15 where he says, If ye love me, keep my commandment. This is not talking about the Ten Commandments. This is a command where Jesus says, I love you and I want you to love others. And so, if you'll just hold your place there in chapter 14, look in chapter 15, and notice what it says in verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. That's how you abide in His love, by loving others the way God wants us to. Even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in His love. So, you have been placed into the love of God. When you accepted Christ as your Savior, you are receiving God's love. There are people who reject God's love. Jesus Christ dying on the cross was God's way of saying, I love you. Christ paying for all of my sins is God's way of saying, I love you. Him not sending me to hell when I deserve to go to hell is God's way of saying, I love you. So he loved me and he says, now, if I believe that he loved me, then he gives me eternal life as a gift and I become his child. Now, as a child of God, God wants me to love because I have been loved. He wants me to forgive because I have been forgiven. So we have a choice. And some of God's children will, and some of God's children will not. So he makes this statement there in verse 11. These things I have spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another. So it's not talking about the Ten Commandments of the law. This is talking about, I want you, if you love me, I'm telling you, love others. Love one another. And by this shall all men know you are my disciples because they love one another. Wouldn't it be great if everybody just loved everybody? If you loved everybody, you see, you don't steal from them. You don't lie about them. You don't cheat them. You don't, you don't, do, you, you don't harm them. You don't have to. If love rules, you don't need laws. Our Congress doesn't understand. Our legislators don't do it. Understand. You see, they cannot legislate total morality from the people who have a sinful nature. They're trying to strap them down because of sinful nature, so they can't move and do anything wrong. And you have to take away all their rights. Why don't you give them something that helps to control? and restrain the old sinful nature that lives inside of them. And you say, well, what's that? Christ. That's why every kid in public school, every person in any institution of learning, everybody in government, everybody needs Christ. There is no control of the old sinful nature outside of the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not there. Can't be done. That's why even with a wonderful nation like America and capitalism, even those people who promise that kind of work, and they work hard and they make money, they're stealing most people blind. People in stocks and bonds, it's always about how to get rich quick and get something. And you got to take it from somebody before you know, they take it from you. Do unto others and then split. Do unto others before they do unto you. I don't think they get it quite right. But in John chapter 14, he says, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. See there in verse 26, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, which is the Father, whom the Father will send in my name, he he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Now, of course, he's talking about these things that he's told his disciples, once the Holy Spirit had dwelled them, they could recall all the details and all the information that they needed in order that they might write what God wanted them to write. And they wrote what God told them to write. They didn't make it up. No, the Holy Spirit can reveal. And you and I are supposed to believe that once we've trusted Christ as our Savior and we study the Word of God, we can trust and depend upon the Holy Spirit of God to bring things to our remembrance to help us to make wise decisions. And when sinners entice thee, consent thou not. Hide thy words in my heart, that I might not sin against God. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, and a light unto my path. The entrance of thy word given light. We're supposed to know those things and, a, and, and remember them. So that, that time comes. Now, in John chapter 15, what is the main thing that whenever you read the book of Acts, in chapter 1 and verse 8, when the Holy Spirit is come upon you, you shall be what? Witnesses. In Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and in the uttermost parts of the earth. Well, here's the Holy Spirit in chapter 14. What do you have in chapter 15? The fruit. It's the fruit, the result of your witnessing for the Lord. So you see, it's kind of like walking you through what's going to happen. He tells us what he's going to do, and then he does it, and then he tells you what he done told you. And so in John chapter 15, he talks about the true vine, talks about the branches. And you and I in this little uh, narrative here is, well, we're the branches. And we're branches that uh, the Bible says bear fruit. Now, there's a difference between bearing fruit and producing fruit. It is not my job to produce the fruit. I can't save a soul, but I am to bear the fruit. You see, Jesus is the truth. That's the root. And the root bears truth, and the truth comes up and goes out through the branches. We have believed the truth, and therefore we are branches of this truth. And so the truth is to flow through the branches and someone else believes the truth as we share the truth and there's fruit that comes from the truth that we give. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. John chapter 17, just look there real quick and I'll show you this. In John chapter 17, you'll notice what he says here in uh, verse 16. They are not of the world, Even as I am not of the world, sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. So we have heard the word of truth, we believe the word of truth, we are branches that are to bear the truth. We don't manufacture the truth, we only bear the truth, we share the truth, we don't actually produce the fruit. That comes from them believing the truth that comes from God. So whenever you read John chapter 15, you'll notice he talks about there in verse 2, Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, or sets it aside. Every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it, and may bring forth more fruit. But the purpose of the branch being left here is for you and I to abide in Christ That means abide where you have been placed. You have been placed in Christ. Now live like you're in Christ. Live like you are a child of God. Live like you believe what Christ wants you to do with your life. And then you can enjoy and see fruit that comes because of them believing the truth. See, you and I don't have to manufacture truth, manufacture the Christian life. We don't have to be hypocrites and put on a Christian front and a Christian face All we have to do is just be real, be what we are. I am a Christian. That's what I am. Therefore, I want the truth of God's Word to flow through me. I want to live the truth. I want to speak the truth. And whenever you do, there is going to be consequences and results. And he says, the world hated him. Do you expect the world to love you? So anyway... When you go here to John chapter 15, you'll notice where he makes the statement. Every branch in me that beareth fruit, not produce, that beareth fruit. Over and over again, that beareth fruit. Down in verse 4, I and you as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine and bearing fruit. Now, you're abiding in Christ, believing the truth, living the truth. We want to see what truth will do. When we give the gospel and we tell the truth, when we tell people the honest the goodness gospel truth that you cannot earn eternal life, you cannot work your way to heaven, that it's not because you turn from your sins because that's not the truth. You don't have to make Christ the Lord and the master of your life and promise that I'm going to serve God in order to go to heaven because it's not the truth. But if you tell the simple pure gospel truth, And people can hear that and say, now I understand it. It's free. And they accept Christ as their Savior. They are born of the truth, born again into God's family. Now, look there in chapter 16. Chapter 16 lets us know that as we go into all the world and we preach the gospel, we are supposed to depend upon the Holy Spirit To convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Because that's what the gospel does. And as we give the gospel, they find out, lo and behold, I'm not righteous. I am going to be judged. I have not believed on Christ. And it's the preaching of the gospel that God uses. The Holy Spirit uses that truth to penetrate and convict people that says, now I know I am not saved. For example, this morning... Hopefully, in preaching truth, several people saw and understood if what that preacher is saying, I am not saved, I am not born again, and I need to be. And so they said that they would trust Christ as their Savior. So when they trust Christ as their Savior, it's not, well, Yankee saved me. I have never saved anybody. I don't have the power to save anybody. But I know someone who can save everybody. Everybody. And that's the Lord. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And so in verse 7 down to verse 11, explains that to us so that we know and understand what's going to happen. And the Bible tells us that as we serve the Lord, there's going to be times that we're going to have great sorrow. In this life, there's going to be sorrow. There's going to be a lot of pain and suffering that goes on. There's going to be tribulation. And so if you look there in verse twenty chapter 16, Verily, verily, I say unto you, that ye shall weep and lament, but the world shall rejoice, and ye shall be sorrowful, but your sorrow shall be turned into joy. Because Christ was going to die, and there's going to be sorrow. He says, but then afterwards, when I come back from the dead, and you see me, your sorrow will be turned into joy. Well, we already know that, so we already ought to be joyful That not only do we know the Lord, but He knows me. And that I'm His child, and I'm going to heaven someday, and I have a lot to be thankful for. And so, when you get to chapter 17, of all the things that God wants us to do in our Christian life, He's told us that we'll have the Holy Spirit with us. We're supposed to have fruit and all that. But always bathe everything that we have with prayer. I think this is a very fitting place for John chapter 17. What is John chapter 17 about? This is a wonderful prayer, and I guess you could say this is really the Lord's prayer. This is where the Lord prays for His children. Isn't it wonderful that He prays for us? You read the 17th chapter, and it will bless your little pea-picking heart to know that He prays for us, how He wants us to be. Now eventually, if not in this world, in the world to come, there will be the perfect unity of God's children as we see the perfect unity, peace, joy, and love in the Godhead. There's no division there. There's no problem there. There's no sin there. And when we get to be with the Lord for all eternity, we will have a sinful nature. Everybody will be as righteous as God. But that day has not come yet. But it is coming. So Christ is going to die now. He's untold him what He wants them to do. And look what He says in chapter 17. These words spake Jesus and lifted up His eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify Thy Son, that Thy Son also may glorify Thee as thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they may know thee the only true God in Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. See, everyone who trusts Christ as Savior is born of God. And God says He's going to take every believer and give those to the Son. And we become the bride of Christ. So there's going to be a wedding someday. And the Father is giving us to the Son. So he says, and everyone that the Father giveth to me. We will be with the Lord forever and ever and ever. You know, I I wouldn't mind this marriage supper of the Lamb. I wonder if it's going to be a little bit like our third Sunday dinner. But just think. I wonder if you'll be able to eat and eat and eat and eat and eat and just eat. You know, eating is to me one of the greatest inventions ever. Food. Wasn't that a great thing for God to do? Don't y'all just love to eat? Don't you love to eat? Isn't it a joy to sit down and eat? Especially if you could eat whatever you wanted to eat. They say today, if it tastes good, you can't have it. It's not good for you. It's got to taste terrible in order for it to be good for you. Man, I told you. When I get to heaven, I hope that we all have big old chocolate eclairs to eat. But John chapter 17 is a wonderful chapter on prayer and what God wants for all of us. Now look in verse 24. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me, or behold... He says, Be where I am, that they may behold my glory, which thou hath given me, for thou loveth me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known that thou hast sent me. And I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hath loved me may be in them, and I in them. The prayer that he's praying is, Lord, I want them to love as you love me. I want them to love that same way. And before we close tonight, I want to show you one of my favorite verses. I've had it for years. John chapter 14. Anybody know the verse? Nobody knows my favorite verse. John 14, 31. Where he says, but that the world may know that I love the Father. And as the Father hath gave me commandment, even so I do. Arise and let us go hence. He was going to the cross. So he says, I want the world to know that I love my Father. So willingly, obediently he goes to the cross And dies to pay for the sins of the world because that was the will of God the Father. And the only way He could show the world that He loved His Father was to obey His Father. And the only way you can show that you love your Heavenly Father is by obedience to your Father. And that's why we should do what we should do. This hand representing you and me. The wallet represents sin. We all have sin on us. God says that we all sin. We all do things wrong. None of us are perfect. We've all messed up. And God says to go to heaven, we have to be perfect, and none of us are perfect. We're not righteous. We have all sinned. come short of God's perfection. And God says that the wages of sin is death, eternal separation from God. That's why all men are going to die and be separated from God. So man can't save himself. The church can't save you. Your good works can't save you. No religion can save you. You need a Savior. And yet people have heard about it so much that Christ died to pay for the sins of the world. Think of how many people have heard that and have no clue what it means. Christ died to pay for the sins of the world so that the world wouldn't have to pay for their sins. He paid for my sins so that I wouldn't have to pay for my sins. Otherwise, what's the purpose in it? If I still got to pay for my sins, why did He die then? He died to pay for my sins, and He asked me, will you believe it? If you will believe that He did it for you, that He loved you that much, He'll put that payment that He made to your account, and you get to go to heaven on what He did for you. See, Jesus Christ, this is Christ, He came into the world because He had no sin, but He loved us, and He took our sins and paid for them on the cross, came back from the dead, said that if we would believe it, He would give us as a free gift, everlasting life. We go to heaven because, see, all my sins are paid. He died to pay for all my sins. I don't have any sins to pay for. He paid for all of them. And I'm going to heaven. You say, you don't deserve that. You're right. I know it. I do not deserve to go to heaven. But I'm going to heaven not because I love God, but because He loves me. He loved me so much. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, That whosoever... Believeth in Him. Should not perish, that means you won't go to hell, but have everlasting life. It means you have eternal life. You get to go to heaven when you die. So he told his disciples, he says, be not afraid. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not true, I would have told you so. But I go to prepare a place for you, that where I am, there you may be also. Best thing in the world. And that's why he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Let's pray, shall we? With heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around. If you're here tonight and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, would you just talk to the Lord and say something like this? Lord, I know I've done things wrong. I know I'm a sinner. And I realize I cannot save myself. My good works are not good enough. The church can't save me. My money can't save me. My going to church and trying to live right, it will not save me. Therefore, tonight, I accept Jesus Christ and Him alone as my Savior. And friend, God said if you would trust Him, He would save you and give you eternal life. He says, He that believeth on me hath everlasting life. means if you believe it right now, He saves you right now. If you believe it right now, you hath everlasting life right now. Because God said so. That's how you can know. Will you take God at His word? Would you believe Him? I pray that you will. I did it many years ago. Never have to do it again. But right where you're sitting, I'm not going to have you forward, not going to embarrass you. But with heads bowed, eyes closed, is there anyone at all say, yes, preacher, that made sense to me. And tonight, I will accept Jesus Christ right now as my Savior. And I'd like for you to pray for me in closing. I'd like to have prayer for you. I'd like to know. Would you slip in it very quickly and put it right back down? Is anyone at all? Anyone at all? If you have trusted Christ as your Savior, you never have to do it again. But as a child of God, it is God's desire, God's will for you, that you honor your Father, that you serve Him. Not to get to heaven, but because you're going there. If you're watching by internet tonight, I pray that you've trusted Christ as your Savior. And if you have trusted the Lord even tonight, would you just click on the little statement right there on your screen? It lets us know that someone trusted the Lord. Father, we thank you again for your blessings. Thank you for this time together. Bless each one here. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.